This is Jordan Edwards, and this is the Business Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. I'm here with J.W. Wright. J.W. is a longtime martial artist and black belt under Hoyler Gracie. You run your academy in uh, St. Louis. And we were connected through a friend of this uh, project and, pro- and podcast, Jimmy Pedro, uh, Olympian and um, owner of Fuji Mat Company and your business partner in the Fuji Tournament Series. It's very nice to meet you, JW. Nice to meet you, Jordan. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, JW, if you wouldn't mind, just give us a little background on who you are, uh, how you came into jujitsu, and, um, and maybe how you came into the business world. Yeah, I mean, I'll keep the story uh, short. I've been around so long that it's a it's a long, uh, uh, you know, long map to get to get there. But uh, started started traditional martial arts like so many people. Uh, I'm 45 years old, so uh, I've been around a while. Uh, and uh, you know, Taekwondo, karate, did all those things, and then all of a sudden we watched the first UFC. I actually saw UFC two, and uh, realized that I didn't understand what that guy Hoist Gracie was doing. So. We uh, kind of took it upon myself as a teenager to try to find uh, uh, what Gracie Jiu-Jitsu was. And unfortunately for America at that time, you know, we're thinking this is probably 1994. Uh, I was graduating high school and uh, was doing karate and stuff back then. And I really wanted to find what, what these guys did. And there really wasn't anything available uh, until I saw that Hoist Gracie was going to do a seminar in uh, Missouri. He was traveling. I think he had just won ufc like three or four by then and that kind of got me into the love of gracie jiu-jitsu and uh i'm a fan of martial arts in general you know i still try to do judo as much as i can i uh did russian sambo too but i've I've trained in almost every martial art you can imagine because i'm a martial artist uh i'm a professor of jiu-jitsu under the the gracie family uh and master david and eve but um you know, I just, I'm a fan of all of it. I, I love every aspect of combat. Um, just, uh, it's, you know, it's what I, I would love to do with my hobby. And, and fortunate enough for me, I was able to do it as a, a job now. So I'm a pretty, pretty lucky guy. But I kind of parlayed that, that seminar into a search of who is the absolute best competitor, because uh, I love to compete in martial arts, at my weight. And um, I knew the Gracie family, but I didn't really know, like, which ones did what, you know, just like everybody else, I needed to be educated. So I found that Hoyler just happened to be 96, 97, 98, 99 world champion of jujitsu in my weight class. And I kind of told myself, like, I don't need to look any further. If I'm going to, if I'm going to be the best, I I need to train with a guy that's my weight class. He's Hoyce's brother. I'm like, I got to make this happen. And uh, it was, it was a, a struggle at first because he lived in Brazil. And that really wasn't available to me. And again, I, I think, uh, you know, something a higher calling just worked out for me. And I worked my way into a private lesson with him. One of two private lessons uh, when he came and did the Arnold Classic. So he was kind of like the guest, you know, person. He had just been um, four-time world champion, two-time ADCC champion. And I somehow worked my way into one of those two lessons. And it, it, it took me uh, a lot of phone calls and, and getting in there. Um, and after one hour with him, I realized that my knowledge of grappling was so limited and the way the methodology in which he taught it was different. So I, I really thought, man, seminars are great and traveling and 
and trying to find these people that kind of know what jujitsu is is okay but let's go right to the source drink the water from the from the spring per se and, <laughs> yeah. um, you know hoyler was very very sincere grateful to this day still the most mind-blowing lesson of my life and he said well i, I asked him at the end of the lesson i was like how could i train with you like this is my now my dream you know, wait like, i have to stop you for one second okay okay go ahead why was it the most mind-blowing lesson of your life like what was it about that one time that sticks out to you so much you know i've probably i will go on record like saying that i'm one of the top private lessons training with hoiler got in america it's got to be because like every chance that i'm around him i'm trying to get extra time with him um it's the way they format and approach teaching you know and I don't think a lot of people understand this now, the way that jujitsu academies are done, but jujitsu is meant to be taught one-on-one. -on -one. There's no better way to learn than the connection that you feel with your, with your partner. And mm. if I'm teaching a class, some of my classes that might have 45 or 50 people in them, they're only going to get a percentage of that lesson because they can't feel what I'm doing. So uh, my passion of doing private lessons comes from Hoyler. And I do so many private lessons every week. And when I travel for seminars, most of the time I have to come a day early to teach private lessons because people understand that there's, it's so different. Now, what, what made his different? I didn't know any of it. I just didn't know anything. I had been yeah. training Sambo competing. Um, <laughs> and what he was teaching me seemed so simple, but such a, so effective that I just, it was mind boggling to me. So, um, if you think about the moment of clarity in your life where you think I have been doing something wrong my whole life and then I need to train with this person to figure out what I can do. And I've heard that same conversation from me. Um, students come up to me and be like, I've been training jujitsu, but I don't feel like I know jujitsu. And it's that opportunity to really have those connections with them and, and see how far you can take a person's potential. And I'm sure you, you know, with business and every other aspect, we have to have great mentors to get us over those plateaus, those mountains we don't even know we that are there to, to help us stumble. So that lesson just took me to an idea of like, okay, I'm at the bottom again of this mountain. I didn't even realize it. I thought I was somewhere up the mountain and it just took me right to the beginning and said, start over, listen to everything this guy tells me. The next thing he told me, was go find one of my best friends, David Adib in New York. And I want him to mentor you. Now, David didn't even know me at that, at that time, he never heard of me. Um, but as soon as Euler told me that, and he told me that was his representative in, in jujitsu. Yeah. I, I had to make that happen. And David Adib is the hidden, um, I can't say enough good things about him. David Adib is like the most talented jujitsu guy that some people haven't heard of. Um, because he's a very private individual, but when it comes to, you know, Mickey Gall is his, uh, his student in the US, UFC, mm -hmm. um, David's jujitsu is unreal. And it, it's because he hung out with Hoyler and Hoyce and Hickson in those early years. I mean, I think he was going to Brazil in like 88 or 89 before the UFC was even created. So he was in those rooms at the apex of, uh, you know, those guys being super athletes. Um, a lot of people don't know Hoyler was winning the world championships at like 34 and 35 because oh, wow. it didn't start until 96. He was yeah. winning tournaments way before them, but they just didn't had 
the UFC hadn't got big enough to classify, you know, you almost look at the UFC started, but then the jujitsu kind of exploded. Then they started holding world championships. It's kind of, kind of happened backwards in a weird way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was just an unbelievable experience. And that experience gave me my connection with David Adiv. Um, and I was able to travel to New York probably quarterly to train with him, uh, sleep on his couch and uh, just get as much as I can. And then when Hoyler would come into town, uh, Hoyler would come to David and almost spend a month there. I would fly up and spend, you know, sometimes five days, sometimes seven days. And Hoyler and David would let me sit there and be Hoyler's assistant. So I would just sit there and whenever they needed someone to choke, I was the guy. So, um, I, I was taken under the wings of great individuals. And, uh, you know, my goal now is just to be a platform for other people's success the same way. Phenomenal. That's, that's really, really great. Um, what you said about Hoyler and your first encounter with him and why it was so transformative in private lessons, uh, through the course of doing research for this book, somebody, one of my guests gave me the name of, of what that's called. And I always called it, I, when, I, when I meet someone, I want to rub everything they got all over me. <laughs> right. And this guy, I, I can't, his name escapes me at the moment, but uh, he said that they, I call that the rub. It's like when you encounter somebody who you want something that they have, you know, skill, success, happiness, and you're fortunate enough to get in a room with them and ask them questions or feel their jujitsu, he called that the rub. And so that was one of the things I discovered as part of this project. And I'm so happy to hear you describe this transformative moment in your life of actually physically touching someone because I've gone to, I don't know, hundred jujitsu seminars in the past 12 years or more. I don't even know. Um, so many over the past few years and incredible classes every single night, but there's always a lot of people. But whenever I get my sensei Nardu in a room and I feel his jujitsu, it's like I'm being, you know, touched. Right. And blessed. Yeah. Uh, I, I really do feel that way. And when I'm going around through the course of doing my business and I meet an incredible black belt or just even an incredible competitor, and I feel their jujitsu, uh, you, can't, you can't learn about it. And so one of my transformative moments was in 2016. Uh, my sensei had said this, I don't know, dozens or hundreds of times over the course of my training with him. And he said, you know, it's one thing to read the book, but you need to become the book. And in 2016, I, I was, must have been reading one of my favorite books at the time called The Art of Learning. And I jotted it down in the back cover. I wrote, become the book, 2016, close, whatever, go on with the rest of my life. And then I rediscovered it many, many years over, over the course of rereading that book. And um, just kind of reminded me, you know, as you were talking, that, that's what I was thinking about at these moments of, of you know, uh, alchemy and achieving everything that you want to do. And um, one of the things I'm fascinated by your story there is you seeking higher ground. You're, you went after these people. You're living in St. Louis, Hoyler's in Brazil, David's in New York. What is it about you that you're not fearful of going to find these people that you want to be associated with? Well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, if you have a real student's mentality of just enriching your life through the learning process, that shouldn't equate to fear. So not, you know, that never really, never really popped in my head that it was wrong. You know, it's like, why, why would we try to send our kids to a, an institute of greater learning at any time? Right. It's, it's to, 
see what they're capable of. What, how can they take all that information in, mold it into themselves and then become a better version of themselves? Um, so I don't know, man, it's, it's one of those things that I have always had a, a, a quest for knowledge and just the process of learning has always been super, super fun. Um, but I think I, I hear it so often that, you know, it's not the destination, it's the, it's the trip. Yeah. So how, how could I not enjoy that life, right? Traveling to Brazil, going to New York, New Jersey, going to California all the time, getting to train with Grandmaster Elio. I ended up, uh, you know, training with him a, a couple times. The, the trip was so much fun. Yeah. Like just, just the places and uh, the jujitsu has taken me. I've taken students to Abu Dhabi World Pro, the World Championships, all, the, all these other things that, Jiu-Jitsu has given me a life that um, is really awe-inspiring. You know, I'm a, I grew up in a little bitty town, like 1,400 people, didn't have a martial arts school in it, didn't really find martial arts until I moved to St. Louis. And what I mean by that is like as a kid, 16, 17, I did karate and stuff, but it was just, you know, little bitty school with 10 people or something. I never know how to say you're destined for something. You should know that there is a greater power pushing you to do something great. So I tell my kids all the time that I don't care what you do for a career. I could care less what it is. If you have passion and it helps people, then you're on the right path. So th these are just like the two things I'm trying to funnel my kids to because they're, they're just different individuals. We don't know. I mean, they don't love jujitsu. I wish they did. I wish I could put them in that thing, but uh, one loves music, you know, one kind of loves sports. It's do what you want, but, do, but have some passion behind it. And, if it's putting you in a position to help people, then you're, you're going to do okay in life. It's funny. I, I was trying to figure out if you were talking about your children, if you had children, which is, you do, or if you were talking about your kids through your, uh, through your academy, I couldn't tell the difference because is it, you know, you must, I saw on your Instagram, you teach a lot of kids and you have a yeah. great program. Yeah. You can't push people, but the universe is there if you want to achieve something great. And it, if you do the right things and you treat it well, it has this, way of coming back and kind of pushing you in the right direction to help. That's really the way that this whole project came together. It's just wanting to bring this thing that I love so much, jujitsu, which has helped me in ways far outside of the mat and business, which is my normal persona. You know, that's what I'm doing every day. I spend most of my life, a lot of hours behind the desk or over the course of doing business. And at some point I said, I want to bring these worlds together. They've been living completely apart. And I go to the gym every night, but it's almost like that's my action hero figure counter. It's like I, I put on my gi and I become a different person. So I said, I want to I want to bring these two worlds together and just make everything that I do one. And uh, so I started this project in January of 2020, right before COVID. And it's uh, it's been received so well. I'm so grateful that I did it and that I took that leap because there was a measure of fear. For me, my personal fear was stepping in front of this camera and I never had Instagram or social media. So I, I, I don't, I, I'm, I'm a private person also, like you mentioned about David, I really don't want people in my personal business. I never posted what I ate for lunch on Instagram or I never posted where I was going on vacation because I didn't want people to know where I was, yeah. but I do love to teach. And through the course of my business of having lots of employees, I'm teaching all the time. And then in 2017, I had the great opportunity to start teaching the beginner class at my academy. And I said, this is, this is something that I want to do and I want to share. 
And then my father and I wrote a book called This Is It, which is about my first 10 years in business. Oh, cool. And as soon as that book was done, like the day it was finished, I was like, I'm going to write another book. And I instantly knew what it was going to be about. It was going to be about the principles of martial arts that have helped me so much in business. And when I'm doing business, I feel like I'm doing jujitsu. It was so simple. Right. When I was having a conversation with someone, it was the, the push and the pull. It was the negotiating. Uh, it was the high pressure environment. It was the so much on the line every single week and, you know, having to cut a, the, the payroll checks. So few people know what it means to uh, have all of these people you're responsible for, their health insurance, their, their life, their paycheck, their rent. You don't do it. And then it's like, oh, the money's just not there to cut the, 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 the checks. So all of that pressure I learned to deal with on the mat. Yeah. And of course, I got the training on, in, in business, but I really learned how to deal with it through the course of doing jujitsu. So I heard you, you, you have an amazing documentary. I'm just going to share my screen for a second. So I'd love for everyone to be able to find this easily. Um, but J.W. Wright documentary on YouTube. And in that documentary, you say something so simple but so profound about your experience with Hoyler. And that was when you met him, it was the simple principles that he taught you. That was that change. It wasn't the, the fancy techniques. It wasn't a whole way of looking at things. It was just the simple principles. Can you talk about that a little? Oh, gosh. Like look, looking, looking back at like how many <laughs> of those lessons I learned from um, not only Hoyler, but David and, and everybody in between, like you said, I have, I've been able to train with a lot of great, great people. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just going to share one thing and it's, it's like you said, the parallels of business and jujitsu are kind of mind boggling. Like you can look at every aspect of life and see jujitsu's parallels on and off the map. Um, this wasn't really the first time that Hoyler uh, trained with me. It was later on. It was actually in, in my black belt. And I think that if you think about the business world and jujitsu, this is where I see people fail probably the most. And it's one of the simplest. So I have 23 affiliated academies under me that I'm trying to mentor and get to the Gracie Humida standard, which is Hoyler Gracie standard. And anyone that knows Hoyler, it means that isn't easy. Like he, he is a very, very um, intelligent man that knows exactly what he wants and knows because of his father, Grandmaster Elio Gracie, what they believe is the best teaching environment, what's the best teaching methodology, all this. But years, years later, as I was a black belt, he told me, he goes, JW, he goes, one of the reasons I put so much time into you is because whenever you say something, you do it. He goes, I never have to guess. I never have to know if it's going to be done. I never have to second guess it. He goes, if I ask you to do something, it's done. If you say you're going to do something, it's done. And dealing with the thousands of students and thousands of people through business that my multiple businesses, uh, you know, put me in connection with, I feel like that's the a missing link with so many people is it seems so simple. Just do what you say you're going to do. But that is such a honorable thing we and this is again a lesson i learned from from hoyler and he learned from his dad we agreed to meet at a certain time it would be a lie for me to show up late if i showed up five minutes late i lied to you because i told you we agreed upon this we were going to meet at one o'clock now i showed up at 105 
So if you take those basic principles and just think about, you take that to the mat, you take that to business, like you're not going to overextend yourself. You're not going to put yourself in a position to fail because you're just doing what you're saying you're going to do. And that, that runs all the way back to my students, the people that are prepping for big tournaments. One of my favorite things to say at a seminar is tell me what your goals are and I will make a plan that, that we reach them together. Tell me unreasonable goals and I'm not going to put my time into it. Right. You tell me you want to be a world champion. I'll tell you to quit your job, find someone to raise your kids and then <laughs> we're going to get you, get you there and you'll be a world champion. Yeah. But the, the being a naive person in this world is, is what holds a lot of people back. They don't, they don't understand that you have to make a plan. You have to do what you're saying, say you're going to do. Does that mean you're going to do everything perfect? No. Does that mean that, that you're going to make some decisions that you regret? Of course, but I'm never afraid to be that person to, to make that mistake. Cause if I make it, I'm going to help others understand what mistake I made. And then they'll never have to go through that. Perfectly said. I mean, it could be a whole, a whole chapter of this book, to be honest with you. And I'll give you perfect credit for it. <laughs> Doing what you say is it's so simple, but it's so complex. You know, they say the, the art of simplicity is a web of complexity. Oh boy, that's true. And you know, when people come to me for business advice and we, I start with the most basic fundamental things, like you said, being on time, doing what you say, it's almost as if they can't believe it's that simple because um, they haven't mastered those fundamentals in their life yet. Yeah. Every day uh, for my company, Mixology Clothing Company, we have 12 stores and uh, about 225 female employees. We sell women's clothes and we have a website. Whether it's after uh, a spectacular weekend in business or an epic failure that didn't go our way, normally what I go bring it back to is the most fundamental aspects of our business. Is the bathroom immaculate? What does the store look like from the customer's eyes? Did you say thank you? You know, just like the most basic things. And um, you're, just, you're just so spot on. And uh, I'm really happy that you shared that because I, I wish more people could just understand that it is that simple. Uh, even for big businesses, um, sometimes you just have to go back to the fundamental things that made you successful when you launched. Definitely. And, and, and listening to people, listen to those that came before you, you know, if your employees don't listen to you, they're not, they're, the chances of being successful are going to start going down. Yeah. You, you have to know that there's someone that paved the way for you. Um, and I feel bad that especially even outside of my jujitsu association, I'll have people that I mentor because they haven't had that opportunity. You know, I mean, they may be successful in the competition ring or maybe even, uh, successful in the business, but there's something missing. So yep. anytime that I can help somebody just get over a hump or get over a plateau like that, you know, that makes me feel good. I, I enjoy, yep. I enjoy the heck out of it. That's amazing. So that, that kind of leads me to the way that we were connected through, uh, your business partner, Jimmy Pedro, uh, Jimmy just kind of, you know, of course I know Jimmy through the world, but having him as a guest on this podcast, he kind of shook me in a lot of different ways with his professionalism, his Olympic mindset. Uh, he is just the consummate professional. And the way that he was able to carry over his championship mindset to business and what he's been able to build in a niche, like, you know, jujitsu is a niche, no matter what way you slice it. And uh, you need to be, you really need to be on your game in order to have a lot of success in a niche. So uh, when I asked him, 
Uh, if there's anyone he thought would be a great contributor to this book, you were one of the first names that he brought up awesome. and, uh, and he connected us and, and I'm really grateful that he did for, for obvious, all the reasons why you're you know talking about on this podcast. First of all, how'd you meet him? And then second, what's it been like to be, to work alongside of him? Um, oh, I mean, great, great question. So met Jimmy years ago through, uh, being a sales kind of, uh, him going through the sales of a Mac company, um, and just being a fan, being a fan, I love judo. I mean, if okay. if I had all the hours of the day to just do martial arts, like I said, I'm just a just giant fan of martial arts. Um, I love training judo. I love training judo, jujitsu, sambo. You know, I found sambo before I even found jujitsu. Um, and Jimmy, there's no better person. Like if you looked uh, at Americans and who were coming up at the time, you know, Jimmy is just an amazing individual, two-time bronze medalist, world champion. Um, so just as a fan, um, I was, I, and I actually sent this to him. It's so funny. I met him at a big tournament and he was signing little papers, you know? So I have a thing, yeah. BW from Jimmy Pedro. Like, oh man, you're the best, you know? So years later, I sent this to him. I said, ah, still, still a fan. <laughs> so um, he partnered up with Leah Hadashita and the Fuji sports people. Yes. So people that might not know, my one of my instructors, David Adib, was the uh, driving force for, for Fuji Sports to start making jujitsu geese. Now that's kind of crazy to think of how big Fuji Sports, Fuji Mats, and you know now my business, Fuji BJJ. Um, at the very beginning, I tried on the very first Fuji prototype. And they're like, what do you think? You know, does it, what, is it too heavy? Is it too light? Um, so Leah, an amazing business person, uh, and Jimmy's, Jimmy's partner was really the connection that I would buy all my jujitsu geese, judo geese, whatever I was buying at that time, because she, she was just my connection to Hoyler and David. And, um, again, you want to do business with fantastic people. And Leah was just a fantastically nice person to me would go on when I first opened my school to say I was broke is, is beyond true like i just kind of started over from the real estate development uh company that i had and, and wanted to start teaching jujitsu and leah sponsored me to compete for a couple years so i always wore the fuji gear and was very happy that she she believed in me um through that connection jimmy came on and started working with leah um and we started uh seeing each other a little bit more but in 2013 I created a competition series called Cozen Fighter. And basically what we did is we made geese, gear, and then we had a tournament series. And the tournament series took off so quickly that I realized that we were going to grow more than I could handle it. And meaning I couldn't make enough geese to supply. I couldn't be everywhere that people wanted me to. So I came up with the idea 2014 that we would franchise we would create the first franchise tournament series hmm. um a year later of me learning i should have went to law school and understanding franchise law <laughs> and everything else um i talked to leah and that's when me and jimmy kind of became closer because we had a a really good phone call with leah and leah was like i see what you're doing i see i really like the message you're putting out there because uh, we were trying to create a learning environment that really was a safe place for people to compete. That was a learning process that wasn't, uh, how can I say this? That wasn't, we were strict in the rule set, but our referees aren't afraid to talk to you. You know, like we were like 
come on, let's let's learn about jujitsu together. So we just kind of had this message of like, hey, we're going to grow together. Come join our, our family. And Leah really liked the message we were trying to send out. She goes, why don't you come up and talk? Because we, I wanted them to make my geese for me. So I'm like, I want to put the Fuji geese in here. And long story short, before the meeting was over, it was me, Jimmy, and Leah. We'd had a small plan to change our business model and become Fuji BJJ. And Jimmy Pedro is one of those people, if you sit in a room with him, you should shut up and listen. Mm. Just shut up and listen, man, because he's going to give you nuggets that make you a smarter person. Only two people, I can say this right now, Hoyler has guided me in a lot of different ways. But I've been in rooms with people, David Adiv and, and Jimmy Pedro, that I don't want to talk at all. I literally just want to listen. I want to see what message they're trying to send out. I want to understand where they're coming from. And I try to take that whole night. I don't want anyone to talk to me. I want to say, I just want to sit there and go, I learned a lot of good stuff today. God, I hope it sticks. You know, like, let this, let this stick in. Um, and immediately I felt a bond with Jimmy that um, if he told me something he was going to do, he did it. And then just kind of going back to the other thing. Um, and it was really cool because we had a meeting at Leah's apartment in uh, New York. And by the time I reached the elevator, I had a text saying, we need to make this happen. Like they were so excited to, to partner with me. Um, me and my, I have a partner, co-founder Vince Anzalone and, and, um, uh, like we both went there and we kind of evolved. We, you know, as a whole group, we just went, Oh my God, like my company yeah. BJJ now supplies Fuji mats. I'm and just going to, as you're talking, I'm just going to pull up the screen. Cause I have the, uh, Fuji site pulled up. Yep. And, uh, so we basically have, um, you know, 2020 was a crazy year. We didn't throw a lot of, uh, tournaments because of the, the, the COVID mess, but we're really starting strong now in, in 2021, our goal was in 2020 was to have about 120 events. Wow. I think, I think we'll probably, we'll probably be close to hundred this year because we basically just took a couple steps back. Mm -hmm. The East coast and the West coast are really, you know, we're still 2021 and they're, they're struggling a little bit, but you'll yeah. notice that the Midwest kind of the whole center section from uh, almost Canada all the way down to Texas, we're going crazy. Like people yep. are starving for jujitsu. One area had the biggest, biggest month it's ever had um, six weeks ago because people are just starving for it. They're just absolutely starving. So we've basically taken, taken uh, the Fuji geese. We sell all the Fuji equipment. We have Fuji mats, which are literally, I have them in every academy. Uh, they're at every tournament series. We have seven franchises across the country um, that run their own tournament series. I hope each franchise does anywhere from 12 to 20 events. Uh, and again, our guys on the East Coast and West Coast might be a little bit behind that just from the standpoint of availability of venues. Yeah. Uh, venues still aren't aren't open uh but believe me like by 2022 everything keeps going right we'll, we'll probably have about 120 130 events and uh again we're not so important of having these events in giant cities my job is to bring jujitsu to people that might not be able to to travel as far so we'll have 300 person events in uh, let's see we had 335 people at our last event in carbondale illinois okay that's in the middle of nowhere man <laughs> nowhere uh we had a fuji pro show that night packed house again and people drove from five six hours away because they just wanted jujitsu 
and yep. it, it makes it makes me happy that I have some great franchise owners. Um, I have unbelievable partners in G, Jimmy and Leah. Um, they've always been open to any any request or anything that I've been trying to do. Uh, they've done a good job supporting our pro show. So now we're we're taking the amateur event, Fuji BJJ. And we've created the Fuji World Pro Grappling Series, which is a nighttime streamed event mm -hmm. uh, that allows the instructors of those students that were competing in that day. And then some other people like we've had uh, Javier Lovato Jr., um, you know, Gianni Grippo, some, some really high level grapplers that I try to have the main and co-main event. And then um, Jimmy and Travis Stevens have been nice enough to help us partner up with BJJ Fanatics and the two people that win the pro events get contracts with BJJ Fanatics to be able to do their uh, their own video. So we're just, again, we're trying to expose people to what jujitsu can be and then give some people that maybe wouldn't have the opportunity to do some videos, videos. You know, one thing that you said there was about Jimmy speaking. Yeah. And I promise you, if you go back and you watch my interview with him, I, I think I said that to him. I said, I think I said exactly when you speak, I just want to shut up. Uh, he's such a commanding presence and, um, Whenever I have the opportunity to hear someone who's had his kind of achievement, Olymp just even someone who was going to the Olympics or training to be an Olympian, much less an Olympic champion, you know, like him, a bronze, two-time bronze medalist. Yep. Um, he's one of the most impressive people I've ever met in business or jujitsu or, or anything in between and, and so gracious with his time and, uh, and, and willingness to share. So I, I'm right there with you on that. And then as far as your, uh, the business that you've built, what a business. I mean, that is just, I, I didn't realize the scope of both your coaching uh, through your, your affiliation. Uh, you said it was 22 schools. Yeah, we have our school and then we have 22 affiliated schools, actually 20, 23 affiliated schools. And we actually have two more schools opening uh, relatively close to us. And that most of them are in the Midwest, but Missouri, Illinois, Texas uh, is kind of our wheelhouse. Uh, mm -hmm. There's, You know, I just have the other, uh, I don't have any association, Hoyler's Association. I just have a lot of connections in the Gracie Maitana organization. Mm -hmm. And then you have 12 franchisees through the, through your tournament series. Seven franchise owners. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Seven franchise owners. And uh, our goal is for them to do 12 events a year, so one a month. And we actually, we're kind of doing some reorganization with that to uh, grow that a little bit more. We may be taking it to another, another continent soon. So, nice. uh, you know, more, more work ahead. That's fantastic. Uh, I'll ask you the question that I often get running multiple businesses. Mm -hmm. How do you find the time to give everyone the attention that they deserve and, and, and run multiple streams? Um, it's always a struggle. If people don't think that running multiple businesses and um, having multiple streams of income, uh, which is super key to, to, I think, life now, like if you don't have uh, different revenue, revenue streams coming in from different businesses, I think it's it's hard. It's hard because like there's going to be some kind of pitfall to get you eventually. Um, there's I, I like to use this analogy that I made a mistake for years and years of thinking that I could achieve balance. So I have two teenage boys, which they're just characters. I, I love them so much. They're um, so they, they take number one priority and then everything else takes takes the backseat to that. Right. So um, if you own your own business and then you own multiple businesses, I hope you don't like sleep. Like sleep should be a second thought. Right? <laughs> um, so that's, that's one thing, but I, I really, 
I really enjoy work. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't like to say that I'm a workaholic because I, I feel that I have, um, enough things that I do outside of work that are really enjoyable. I love, I'm a, I'm a extreme hunter. So I love to hunt, get out into the outdoors and do those things. But going back to like my, my analogy of, of, I used to try to achieve balance and now I know balance is impossible to achieve. I always look at it as like, I'm walking a tightrope trying to achieve balance, knowing I'll never achieve it. Mm-hmm. So that for me, it's like that tightrope is focus. What do I have to do to achieve balance on that tightrope? Focus, 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 focus. I need to be ultra focused on what I'm trying to accomplish, what I'm, on what I'm trying to do and um, realize that I better have a net underneath it because I'm going to fall sometimes. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to fail. And another one, another one that I used to tell, uh, I tell my students because some, some of my students, I bet they think I show up. I actually had the student say this like five years ago. He goes, man, I wish I had a job like you where you could show up teach jujitsu and go home and do whatever you wanted <laughs> oh my god man this guy has no idea, has no idea. like what when i go to sleep and when i'm done and that time i was like spending 20 hours a, a week on franchise law and i'm like oh my oh my god my mind <laughs> but i used to tell people i'm like imagine that you're uh you know a juggler and jimmy pedro i, I gotta say man he's a master of this if you're a juggler and you're really good maybe you juggle five six things at a time I'm probably going to try to juggle 16 and I'm going to drop two. But at the end of the day, I'm still juggling 14 things. But at, <laughs> least, at least it's more than most people where I think one thing that I've learned from Jimmy that I'm not as good at, I wish I was. And I think I'm constantly knowing that this is one of the things that I'm constantly getting better at is um, pri- prioritizing other people doing the things that in roles or positions that they should be accomplishing for me. Yeah. I, th- I think by giving, uh, redirecting some of that work to, to smarter people on those subjects or people that do those things uh, equal to you or better, or even if they don't do it, they can at least achieve that goal for you. Um, it's something massive, it's something yeah. massive. And I'm, I'm a, I've always been a big, like, I'm going to get it done myself guy because I know it's done right. And I know that, that I don't mind work. Like my guys always, they always laugh. I've had school owners come up and go, why are you carrying mats when the tournament's done? <laughs> and I'm like, it needs to be done. I'm like, well, I'm here. Like, why not get it done? So I, I think I don't fear, I don't fear working hard. And if you, people see you're the hardest worker in the room, they're, they're going to see something that like the reason that you be, you became successful or trying to become successful. So um, when I think about Jimmy, I'm, uh, I'm always, I'm always blown away by that. He, He's always better at delegating than anyone that I've seen. And he's always putting you in a position of, of the right person. He always puts you with the right person to do. And I look back and I think Hoyler did me such a service by delegating me to David Adiv whenever he wasn't in the country. Yeah. So he saw something like, go with that guy. You know, th- this is the guy I want you to train with. So, uh, you know, just taking, taking after those uh, amazing, amazing instructors and amazing business people and, and learning, learning a few things from them. When you're willing to be of service, mm. the people around you are then willing to be of service. 100%. You know, and it's not to say that you should give 100% of yourself and not expect something back in return. But if you are the guy that's willing to carry the mats and you show, and then you give the opportunity to the next guy to do it also, uh, it'll trickle down in a beautiful way. Um, if you make them always feel like you're going to do it and they don't have to do it, it it's... 
you're setting them up for failure. Uh, so that, that is also what I tell people when they come to me for, for advice on the subject of how do you run multiple businesses and, and, and have a podcast and do all this. I said, um, because I inspire confidence in the people around me, that's, that's my number one job as the leader of the companies is to inspire them that they can grow and seize all the opportunity and all of their dreams, whatever they want. And, um, I, I make my companies launching pads for people's careers, whether they want to be an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur. And if they say, come to me one day and say, Jordan, I want to start a clothing line or I want my own business, then it's out. They leave the door with a hug, not the middle finger. You know, so many times when Pete, when, when business owners, their employees leave, it's always with a middle finger, like it's a breakup. And one of the things I always tell people, even in the interview process is this is a job. You know, this is not a relationship. It can be a long-term relationship if you want to be here and we'll have the best one ever. But if you decide one day that you want to become an alumni of my organization, maybe I'll be your first customer. And I've been that first customer to so many of my former employees where they've started marketing companies um, or, or they, they, they start another business, a lot of creatives. And, uh, and that's one of the most beautiful things. That's what, I got, that's what I took away from what you just said there. And over the course of this interview, you said two beautiful things. One, uh, your love of hard work and two, your love of learning. Mm-hmm. And I think those two things in harmony uh, create success. If you just love to go back and challenge yourself by learning new things and taking on those risks. See, you said one thing, it, it, it doesn't scare you, but I recognize it does scare a lot of people. And I've, I've been scared. Sometimes things that come natural to me, they don't scare me. I just go do them. Uh, like public speaking, for example, I could talk in front of hundreds or th- even thousands of people and I just don't get scared. Um, but that was always natural to me, but taking tests was, I would get petrified. I I could, you know, before I would go have, take a test the night before I couldn't even absorb the information I was trying to study. Uh So, um, I get it. You know, I always, I I try to counsel people to, to go towards their strengths, but if you can go and conquer your fear, it's, it's so much more beautiful. So when I, um, this was like 2017 and 2018, I went back and took this program through Harvard Business School online. Three courses. Um, it was a not, it was like a degree program. There was a, a test at the end. And I was shaking in my boots signing up for that thing because I knew that there was this big test at the end. And uh, my wife helped me get prepared. My wife is an, was an incredible student. She's a doctor. Um, but anyway, you know, just, 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 reflecting on, on what you said and thinking out loud about uh, your experiences. And it's, it's so funny when, you know, like you said, um, you're a platform. I always tell my guys that my job is to be a platform for other people's success. Like my jobs are all based on not me making all the money, but it's trying to have help so many other people for all of us to make a living in, in this very challenging, you know, industry. And, you know, one of the things it's, it's, it's kind of twofold. It's like, as a leader, you have to understand, like, you want to put everybody, if I'm the platform of success, you know, I always say that I stand on the shoulders of greatness. You know, I have people like Jimmy Pedro and David Adib and Hoyler Gracie. Um, you got to be careful that you're not pushing them underwater when you're standing on their shoulders. Mm, you know what I'm saying? You know, Absolutely. I feel that so many times, you know, we are individuals. So you said it earlier, you can't take, 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 take and not give. You know, so I, I'm always very, very careful whenever I'm trying to help people or mentor them uh, to understand that, you know, you're learning how to be a leader. So don't always take, 
right? Don't always take. You can't. You can't. You can't push people down if you're if they're raising you up. Um, more than anything, I put myself in that position of like, I want to. I want the best for people, and I think that's sometimes like the person's best for them isn't as high as you you really want, and you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with that as a leader, being like they're happy at this level. Let them be happy. Because I see the best in everyone. I, I, I want everyone to achieve greatness and see these massive things, but they all can't. Jordan, let me ask you a question. What do you think the biggest failure of a leader is? Not letting someone else push you out of the way and, and be a leader of their own. I, I almost like parallel that immediately. I tell this people this so many times a day. The biggest mistake of a leader is not leading. It mm -hmm. seems so easy. It seems so easy. But I see truly great individuals that don't make a decision that hinders them, that won't won't tell that person, hey, you're wrong. Here's why you're wrong. They'd rather like, okay, if that's what you think. You have to lead people. Mm -hmm. And um, it doesn't mean that you're perfect, but it means you're not afraid to tell them, what's going on what uh you're you're a boss to 225 people or something like they're gonna look up to you but sometimes you you if you're building those leaders you have to correct them um and i think certain people get to a certain stage they forget that they forget that they have to constantly lead people and people are always going to look at them mm. um, and i look at master hoyler as a great great example man it's he's never put himself in a position in my eyes that i question his leadership 21 years later, right? And it, it's like, if Hoyler says something to me, this gets back to our earlier conversation, and he doesn't agree with my point of view, I'm still going to do what he says. Hmm. You know, that sucks sometimes. It sucks to take take something from someone who's leading you and say, we're not doing what you want to do. We're going to do what I say you're going to do. And then looking back, almost every time I'm like, I'm glad I did it. <laughs> and then that's one of those things that, Put yourself around smarter people and hopefully you're going to learn some some things at their expense because they probably made those those mis mistakes but in the in the at the end of the day don't be afraid to lead you can't you can't be afraid of making those decisions if that's what you're uh what you're trying to do i love that that is uh that is a beautiful line of thinking and uh and i think um i think i'd like to end on that if you don't mind uh that was a perfect exclamation point on this great conversation. And uh, I'm so grateful that you took the time to contribute to this project and the podcast. And um, I'm especially grateful to Jimmy for connecting us. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And uh, I love what you got going on out there. It's, it's so inspiring to see how much you do, how many lives you impact through your different businesses and that you've brought together that you're in the business of jujitsu. You know, this podcast is not about the business of jujitsu, but the business of jujitsu is, is part of it. And, um, I'll just say one thing before I go. As I was doing business last week uh, in Texas, where I've been doing business for a long time, and the, our guys that we do business with down there, they drove us to the airport, and we were hugging and you know high fiving, and it's so good to see you. It's been two years with COVID, and he turned to me and he said, "This is the way business should be done. You know, it should be, it can be done this way, and it should be done this way." And that's that's reflecting on our conversation just now is what I got from you too. It can be done the right way. It can be. You're right. You're 100. Well, thanks for taking the time to to put me on. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I feel that uh, you know, 
just being recommended by Jimmy is a, a, a feather in the hat. You know, that's a, that's a, that's an amazing accomplishment for me. Uh, coming co coming from nothing and being able to have uh, these conversations with you and hopefully be able to touch someone or be able to under let someone understand that maybe they don't have that mentor in their life or maybe they they need that push to make that decision and be a leader. Um, I'm just happy and blessed to be able to do what we do and. Uh, you know, wow, I never thought jujitsu would have taken me all over the world and been able to do these awesome things. But man, I sure am uh, glad that we found it. Yeah, well said. Have a great J uh, day, JW, and uh, I look forward to speaking with you again in the future. Thanks, George. Take care, man. Yeah. See ya.